0: We take advantage of every opportunity to share with you all paint companies in the furniture refinishing industry that produce great products expanding your choices for your refinishing business. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with mud paint owner Kara Vanderlees, a clay based paint company that has been around since 2014. We hear from Sarah with Surrey Lane Home as she shares a great photography tip for those that don't have a great deal of natural lighting in their studios. As always, we'll provide you with a few bulletin board notes in our newsworthy section. I'm your zebra host, Lane Paul. Welcome to Zebra's Before and After. It's always a pleasure speaking with folks that are creatives and entrepreneurs. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy hosting the podcast, because whether you have a small furniture refinishing business or you own a sizable product-based company, you have accomplished much worth highlighting. We all learn in these discussions. Today is no different as we have the privilege of chatting with Cara Vanderlist of Mud Paint. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to join us today, Cara.
1: Hi, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Well, how are you today?
1: I'm well. I, I am well. I'm ready for the day.
0: Now you guys are in, um, I believe it's Boise, Idaho?
1: Yes, that's correct. We are. It's a great state. Not very many people know about it. They get it confused with Iowa or Ohio yeah. or whatever. So we're this hidden little gem.
0: Yeah. Are you kind of sick of hearing about Idaho potatoes?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'll always hear those comments. It's good. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. I believe I remember those commercials that has uh, the big, was it like a transfer truck with a huge potato on the back of it? Yes. Do you remember? Have you seen that?
1: <laughs> I have seen that. And you know what? I think it toured the country on um, on the back of a truck. And now just outside of town, they've turned it into this great little beautiful, beautiful um, Airbnb, you can stay inside of a potato.
0: Well, that would mm-hmm. be cool. That would be a first for sure, yeah. wouldn't it?
1: Right, <laughs> it would.
0: Uh, I, I've always thought that's cool. You know, when you think about um, you know states that they're known for certain things, but to to be known for growing potatoes means you've got I'm, I'm making assumptions here. You got pretty rich soil, and uh, so that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's a great spot. And then there's beautiful rivers and mountains. Mm-hmm. So whitewater rafting is huge here and mountain biking is big and it's a gorgeous spot.
0: Now, are there bears in Idaho?
1: There are. Yes, there are. Up, grizzly? No, well, maybe up near like the borders of Canada and Wyoming uh-huh. and stuff, but not, not here, not where I'm at.
0: They're cool to see, not be too close to.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. You want to keep your distance for right. sure. Now,
0: are you from Idaho?
1: I am not. No, I've lived here about 16 years, but um, I grew up on the Oregon coast. So wow. uh, yeah, keep it west, western yeah. states.
0: Well, I guess that's just next door. So not too far away.
1: Right, right.
0: So what is the weather like this time of year?
1: Well, we are a little late to the spring games generally because we are um, kind of higher up. So Mm -hmm. the last few days it's been rainy and, you know, I always judge kind of where we're at based on what's blooming. So our lilacs are just blooming and I know a lot of other places they're on to other flowers, um, but we're just in the lilac situation. So we're a little late to spring
0: our weather today may be what uh, you're used to um, this time of year a little bit. It's it's funny because we've had <clears throat> such change in weather over the last couple months, you know, sort of back and forth from warm to cold. Uh-huh. But right now, um, its it's been rainy all week. And right. it's been cooler than normal. I mean, it's in the yeah. lower 50s. So it's a little bit you know, yeah. it's, it's like I think everybody was so eager for spring. And then when spring came,
1: <laughs> it, it's <laughs> like, never mind. I'm just kidding. We're <laughs> exactly
0: sort of fooling us.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm walking around in like puffy jackets, thinking, come on, weather, throw us a bone, give us a break.
0: <laughs> I know. It's like you're wearing shorts, but you got a big jacket on. So. Yes. Yeah, of it, <laughs> in between. Well, we are all eager to hear more about mud paint. So if you would tell us about mud paint, what is it and what makes it unique to other paints?
1: Well, um, mud paint is a clay-based paint and it is, it's really rich and thick. The, co- um, the color pigmentation is really intense and the, the viscosity, it's a thicker paint. Mm-hmm. It has really great um, adhesion, so it adheres to most surfaces, metal, uh, wood, stone, tile. And then the durability is just uh, top notch. Like it's just, it's a very impressive durability. So those are kind of our key highlights that make it a little bit different than some of the other paints on the market.
0: how was mud paint developed?
1: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. It was developed around 2014 um, by a husband and wife team and the husband, was a furniture painter and artist, and he was just very unsatisfied with the different paints out there for him. So he would even, he started, I think, just mixing in his garage like clay, you know, um, pottery hey. clay with house paint and trying to get the right consistency, the right thickness, um, and wasn't able to achieve that on his own. So then he worked with a local paint manufacturer, and about over a year's time, they came up with this really great formula um, for mud paint. And that was back in 2014. So it's been around for a while.
0: When he got his formula, did he launch straight into developing colors? And um, is that when the company officially began?
1: It's when it officially began. Yeah. And I think they started with maybe just, gosh, 10 or 12 kind of base colors. And then it's grown um, from there, added Mm -hmm. colors periodically.
0: You mentioned earlier that mud paint adheres really well to different types of services. What about, um, let's say, you you get an old furniture piece that has thick layers of, you know, top coats on it, and mm-hmm. it. Does does what needs to take place? I mean, does that mud paint adhere to that as well, or do you need to do a fair amount of prepping, you know, just to to put the mud paint down?
1: So, depending upon, I guess, like the piece of furniture. If you didn't want, obviously, if you wanted a smooth thing, and it sounds like that piece of furniture we're describing has maybe lots of layers and texture yeah. underneath, so we would recommend, you know, sanding that out and off, and then wiping it down, and then mud paint would adhere straight to that. We just always suggest that, obviously, as all furniture painters know, that it's free of grease and grime and buildup, right, and sand and dust, and it doesn't require like a primer. Um, mm-hmm. You're welcome to do that, and of course people are free to do that. It it works well with um, water-based primers if that's the route that people choose, but they don't need to.
0: We're all looking for that quick fix, aren't we? You know, as far as, uh, I don't even have to clean it. I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to start painting it. (laughs) I
1: know. know. It's just one coat, please. Can we just have one coat and I don't even want to really wash it down, you know? We all want it to be
0: easy. It's funny. Our son is uh, 17. And so he does a lot of painting uh, for us, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. in our home. And and he enjoys it. He's very meticulous with it. But I know early on when we were teaching him that one first step of wiping down the walls, you know, when you're doing interior home painting.
1: Yes. (laughs) It's like,
0: who likes to do that? But I tell you (laughs) what, it is amazing when you don't do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. you really pay for it. You do. you you may have peeling or you just get you get dust and linen there so i know that's true for for furniture as well but so basically the general rule is to obviously clean the piece really well but then also to do any necessary prepping at least scuff it up to a degree
1: right Um, and if you need to fill in holes fill in the holes Mm -hmm. and those types of things but we really um, like to encourage people who are interested in trying out mud paint that it is very user friendly it's We don't want to make it any more difficult for people to, um, to use. And we really just want to encourage people to get in there and, and start painting, right? Like it's paint. So if you mess up, you just start over or you fix it or, you know, just get in there and, and just try, because it's so great. I think for people to start a project, Mm -hmm. put in the work, right. And have a beautiful finished product on the end result. And so we're just happy that mud paint can be a part of that, that process for people, um, because a lot of times two people are painting a piece of furniture that's been with them for a long time. It has sentimental value or they're trying to, you know, save some pennies and not buy new and just repurpose something that they found at a thrift store. So we're just mm-hmm. happy um, for people to have that experience.
0: So it's sort of like stress-free painting, isn't it?
1: We want it to be that way. Yeah, yeah. we we encourage people for that.
0: Well, how long does, does mud paint take to cure?
1: It's pretty fast on the um, scheme of paint drying because it has um, earthen materials and clay-based. It, it does dry faster. So mm-hmm. generally, if people are going to put on, um, you know, two coats of paint for a piece, uh, it, it'll be dried. That first coat will be ready to go probably within an hour. And mm-hmm. then they can paint the second coat on. And then depending upon, of course, where you are at, Humidity levels change things, you know, things in the environment, but it dries anywhere from one to two hours and it's ready to go.
0: That's really nice. Now, mm-hmm. I know, I know a lot of people like to lay down a coat and then just lightly sand over the coat before yeah. they put the next coat. So mm-hmm. if they give it about an hour, then they literally could do that light sanding and then lay down a second coat.
1: They absolutely could. Yeah. They'd have to, you know, feel to make sure it's dry yeah, right. but it, it more than not it would be dry in that time
0: I, I think everybody knows this as well but it's a good reminder especially for those that are starting out obviously humidity levels depending on where you're at and where you're painting is yeah. going to affect the dry time as well so uh, that's right. good information what about distressing the piece now i know some people I, I would say just generally speaking from from the conversations we've had is that there's wet distressing and dry, dry distressing Mm-hmm. It seems like most people do dry distressing, but can you do wet distressing with uh, mud paint as well?
1: You can, but I think the results and the success would be better with a dry sanding because of the materials in the in the paint. I, it doesn't take as well to wet distressing right as right. it does to dry.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I know this is an important question that a lot of people want to know. What about the VOC levels in your paints? Are they safe for anyone to use?
1: they are yes um our voc levels are below the standard and acceptable levels so it is safe for people to use i know we have people paint their um, baby bassinets and cribs Mm -hmm. and nursery furniture in that and so yes they are acceptable and below
0: let's talk colors um how many colors do you have
1: right now we offer 29 colors
0: Wow. Very good. Now, generally speaking, like how often do you develop new colors? Is that something you're always working on?
1: It's not something we're always working on, but um, we like to introduce, you know, two to three colors, maybe once or twice a year. So it's not a a seasonal or or hyper frequent Mm -hmm. time. It's tr- trying to strike that right balance, too, between options, but then not overwhelming options. You know, um, it's it's a fine balance. I know there mm-hmm. are some spots on our color family that we're missing. I think we could add, you know, like a beautiful espresso brown or, you know, there's some mm-hmm. things we're looking at. But it's trying to strike that right balance of being, um, again, not overwhelming in your color choice, but having enough options out there on the table. So I Myself, I love colors. My background is art history. I've been a designer. I'm, I just love colors. And so, trying to find the right ones that people, you know, gravitate towards that they would mm-hmm. like to incorporate into their interior spaces, it's, that's exciting. I really do appreciate and like that part of this, this work.
0: I know a lot of people like to, to mix their own colors as well because they like to get yes. really creative. Um, yes. No issues with mixing mud paint. I mean, it's easy to blend colors.
1: It is. It's easy to blend colors, and we encourage people to do that. It's super fun to to blend colors. It brings you back to, like, the color wheel, you know, when you're in your art class in high school or whatever. And if you take the, you know, the opposite color wheels, and how do you make it, find a color that works for you? So we really encourage people to mix colors and blend colors or add white, you know, to lighten your reds to get a hot pink that you're looking for or whatever. So we, Mm -hmm. we do it works great for that.
0: I think that I've joked about this before, but I think, you know, the biggest challenge that I would have if I were mixing colors is not paying attention to how much I mixed. You know what yeah. I'm saying?
1: And then running out and like, oh, yeah. I need to make that same color. I know right. that is a problem. And mm-hmm. then you go to mix it
0: again and it's like a totally different tone or something. Right. You know?
1: I know that is something we do try to encourage. And it's not like we're we're trying to sell more or make people buy more, but you never know, you know, How much you're really going to need? We can give estimations, and we can say approximate. You know how much you'll need, but running out of a paint or not mixing enough of the right color, and then you didn't have quite enough to finish. That's the tricky tricky thing, so.
0: Well, you, you mentioned your background in art, art history, and I was going to ask you the question of, like, where do you get inspiration to develop new colors? I mean, what an incredible background to have uh, in owning a company, a paint company, to have that <laughs> art history background. How much does your background play into what you're doing today, and, and it has been an influence in even potentially new colors?
1: Oh, uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I think it does um, affect the color choices i look at and the design elements we're trying to incorporate like i said i just i really color has always been a thing for me and so yeah just trying to find the right one and looking back at um you know different artwork and different tones and feels of different century like design centuries and yeah. stuff that always just kind of plays a part into into it as well
0: Well, you all also offer, of course, beyond just your colors, you also offer some waxes and finishes.
1: Mm -hmm. We do.
0: Tell us about those products.
1: So one of the things about mud paint um, is that it doesn't require a finishing top coat in order to seal it, right? So some of the other paints you need to to put something on in order for it to be more protected and more sealed. So that kind of plays into mud paint's durability. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't need to have a finishing coat. However, we do offer um, a product called Matte Protective Clear Coat. And that is, we suggest people to use that like high traffic areas. So Mm -hmm. cabinets or desks or things like that will see a lot of use. And that is a matte finish, which just provides another layer of durability. So we offer that. And then we do offer um, some finishing waxes. So right now we have a clear finishing wax, a dark finishing wax, a black finishing wax, and we're just getting ready to add on a lining, a white wax as well. Yeah. So those are different options for people to purchase if they are interested in having a different finishing for their piece.
0: I know a lot of people, when it comes to top coats, um, are sometimes cautious about certain top coats because they yeah. are concerned that they'll turn their piece yellow. yeah Any issues with, any,
2: with that?
1: You know, from time to time, there is that issue. Um, and Unfortunately, it, it generally has, it goes back like the layer before the paint, you know, it goes back mm-hmm. to the, the way the piece was prepped underneath. Um, and, and unfortunately it's really frustrating when you work so hard on your piece and then you put mm-hmm. the top coat on and then it's got a yellowing thing. So that is why we encourage people to, if they're painting, especially like a white, you know, mm-hmm. color to be careful about using the top coat and make sure their piece is prepped well.
0: So if, if somebody is painting a piece white,
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they've done a pretty good job of, well, I mean, a good job, let's say an excellent mm-hmm. job yeah. of prepping their piece and uh, potentially doing some sanding if necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and they paint the piece with, let's say, a mud paint in white. Mm-hmm. There's no issue for them in using the top coat, the matte finish clear coat to, to seal it with and it turning yellow.
1: There should not be. There should not
0: be. Well, you know, I didn't realize that about mud paint, about it not even requiring a a top coat because yeah. You know, a lot of times you like when you paint a piece, you like that very matte feel that it has and that it, you know, the look that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty cool that it's, it doesn't have to have a, a top coat to seal it, that it's sufficient enough. I guess it's just really, it's the bottom line is what, you know, like you mentioned earlier about what kind of wear and tear it's going to get to try to mm-hmm. give it additional protection, but also just what, how you're going to use it. Yeah. Because you may not want to uh, to put a top coat on it. And that's a, that's a great uh, benefit of it. hmm it is. Well, you know, we just cannot go without mentioning you guys also carry three different Zebra paint brushes.
1: Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we do. And we love them. We do. They're, they're great. We offer the one-inch round brush, a two-inch, I think, like trim and surface, and
2: mm-hmm. then a
1: two-inch cut-in. And they are great. They're great. Our yeah. customers love them. I love them to paint with them.
0: Yeah, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, those those two uh, two-inch angled uh, mm-hmm. sash that you mentioned are both Palm Pros, and those are really really popular paint brushes uh, in with a lot of different types of consumers. But furniture finishers just really really gravitate to those uh, brushes.
1: Yeah, I think because they fit in your hand real nice, and when you're you know you're close to your piece, and you can kind of control it just a little bit better, so that they are very popular.
0: I had the privilege; it was really a lot of fun in the uh, product development of that uh, particular product.
1: Oh. To be
0: be on the product development team. And it was so much fun because, you know, when you think about painting, oftentimes, you know, and you hear this a lot about people saying their hand cramps, you know, especially if you're doing a lot of painting, but to experiment, I mean, we took, we actually started with clay and developed clay molds and, you know, shapes and what fits best in the hand. Like, what is a natural comfortable ergonomic feel of the hand when you're doing that painting motion so it was it was fun to kind of see it come to fruition just like you all when you're developing paint colors and you see those paint being used in multiple different venues it's pretty exciting
1: it is pretty exciting to see a pro like a project or color or whatever go from start to finish it's really great
0: Well, Cara, having you explain mud paint and all the benefits of it, I know there's bound to be a lot of people out there that haven't maybe tried it yet, but would like to. Are you guys in retail spots around the country?
1: We are. We have a lot of um, different retail locations um, around. So if you're interested, we have a kind of a find a retailer section on our website. You just go in and you pop in your zip code and it will pull up all of the different mud paint retailers that are near you or in your area. Um, And a lot of them, you know, right now, they're being creative in the way that they're providing services. So a lot of them are doing curbside pickup or delivery in Mm -hmm. the local areas. We really encourage you guys to see if there's a mud paint retailer in your area.
0: And for our Canadian friends and European friends, can they get access to your paint?
1: You know they can. We ship internationally, and then there are some a uh, couple little spots in Canada that are mud paint retailers as well.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Well, very yeah. good.
1: Yeah, thank you. And you know, if we have any listeners in Australia, we have a great retailer in Australia too. So, and we ship it to Australia as well.
0: Boy, that's excellent. Very yeah. good. Yes, our our listeners are worldwide. And we're they excited are. to say so. That's great. <laughs> Well, Cara, for folks interested in reaching out to you guys at Mud Paint mm-hmm. to learn more and to try out your paints, uh, if you would provide your contact information.
1: Absolutely. Um, our website is www.mudpaint.com. And you can email me directly if you'd like. It's Cara, K-A-R-A, at mudpaint.com. Um, we're also on Instagram. But our hashtag is mudpaint, our handle. And we're on Facebook. So there's lots of different ways to find us, and you can find us, uh, if you're a Pinterest user, you can look us up on Pinterest and follow all our boards there for inspiration and some ideas as well.
0: Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Cara.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Support for this podcast is made possible by Zebra, makers of the high-end yet affordable line of application-specific paintbrushes. We are excited to share that we have two new aprons for sale in her blog shop. They are uniquely designed in that they are pullover smock aprons, crafted of soft cotton with two pockets and they feature a cross back and wash denim feel in a solid gray hue. You have two graphic choices. One says, oh the things you'll paint and the other says, paint in my hair don't care. Truly for the lover of painting. We also have some great bundle deals available with the aprons. Hop on over to zebrablog.com and click on the blog shop to check them out. If you have a refinishing tip that you would like to share, send me an email at lane at Put refinishing tip in the subject line and describe the tip in the email. Today's refinishing tip comes from Sarah hollister Jessic with Surrey Lane Home.
2: Okay, I want to give you a refinishing tip for your photography. I wanted to let you know that it is possible to get some good photographs in a space that doesn't have a lot of natural light. Six, seven years ago, I really started taking pictures of the furniture that I was refinishing, but I was doing it in my basement and I did not have any natural light. I had two little windows that maybe were one, I don't even think it's a foot by two foot. Um, so I got basically zero. Um, what I did is I did make my staging wall white. And what I bought were two four by eight, the styrofoam insulation boards with the tin foil on the back. And they're about probably in the $15 range from any home improvement store. And what I did is I put one on the right and left And so basically what I did is I made myself a a light box for my furniture and I ordered kit, a light kit from Amazon, probably I think it was the least expensive one. By the time I've got my two insulation boards on either side with a tinfoil facing in, my white wall and my three lights, I was able to get some really nice looking pictures of my furniture. I know when we are looking at taking pictures, sometimes we struggle with getting the natural light, but this really provided a great way to get your light in a low light area. We did do a little bit of remodeling since then, and I do have a, actually a sliding door now, um, but I still use one of those insulation boards on my right side because on the left side of my pictures is where I get my natural light. Now, I did cut it down. I think right now I've got it at about six foot tall by four foot. You don't have to keep them four by eight. You could even cut them smaller than that, whatever works for you. But they give off, when you have that tinfoil pointing toward the light, a great reflection. So you can move them about a little bit if you want to put a little bit more in front or to the sides, but it's a really inexpensive way to add some reflection to give you more natural lighting to your staging area. It's one, again, another inexpensive way, but also they're really easy to store. I put mine up against my staging wall when I'm not using it. Of course, they're not very thick, so they're easy to store and pull out to use. And you can use them several different ways, depending on how you are, if you are getting some light or if you don't have any natural light, make yourself your own light box around a staging wall with some light kit and you'll be able to get great pictures.
0: Thanks, Sarah. Great tip addressing the challenges of lighting and photography. If you would like to learn more about Sarah and her work, check out her Instagram account. It is at surrey underscore lane underscore home. Surrey is spelled S-U-R-R-E-Y, that's Surrey underscore lane underscore home. Who doesn't enjoy a great before and after? Well, you'll have the opportunity to submit your before and after refinishing projects and enjoy other submissions as well because our May contest for the Zebra Review is underway and this month's theme is before and after, of course. Make sure you tag your before and after projects that were created as of January 2020 and tag them with hashtag the zebra This probably goes without saying, but make sure you show the before and after images. They can be on one post or slides in a post. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blog's Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on thezebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at thezebrablog.com. That's zebra with an i blog.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing.